as we compare the I am statements of Jesus in John, we are at the one where Jesus has said he is the resurrection and the life. Last week we looked at what, what separates as we saw God ordaining a high priest for the sacrifice for the people. And how ultimately our high priest, Jesus the Christ, will give the perfect sacrifice Himself. So that when we stand before God, we stand with Him. And that's the sacrifice He judges. But He's more than just the resurrection. He says He's the resurrection and the life. And this is the part you could forget. Jesus did not die for you to send you to heaven. Jesus died for you so you could be with Him. Heaven's the product of that. He just plays for keeps. In our text, we now look at what it looks like to set apart, to live a set-apart life. And it happens with a lot of blood. In the first three verses, we'll see the materials. In verses 4 to 9, we'll see what Moses does to them. And then from 10 to the rest of the chapter, we will see the offerings. Six specifically listed, seven if you use both names, specifically listed that will be part of the ritual to just what it will take to set apart a priest. I remind you, we are all called to be priests. The moment that Jesus got a hold of your life, you became more than just saved. You were adopted into the family for which your Father is the King of Kings. You became betrothed to the great groom of heaven. And the Lord made you His student, ultimately to raise you up to become His servant as well as soldier. So I want to pray, and then we're going to dig into the chapter. I'm really excited about what the Lord has, but please understand, though this event that we're looking at took place roughly 3,400, 3,500 years ago, it's just as applicable today as it's ever been. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to open your word today. I expect great things because you're a great God. I know, Lord, that your whole word reflects around these texts. Jesus, you've told us that these are the very texts all of Scripture points to you. And so I pray today, Lord, that your word would be manifest. Lord, that we would have so much fun in your word today. God, that we would be ministered to, that you would speak to every one of us right where we're at, that we could hear you and know you and love you more, that we could grow like you. Lord, if there be any who have yet to know you, let this be the morning of their, or this after, the afternoon of their salvation. I pray, Lord, if there are those who do know you, that we would be brought beyond just simply, I'm saved, that's good enough, but recognize, Lord, that we were called for a purpose. And Lord, today as you show us what your desire is for us, minister to us, Lord. You know every weakness. You know everything we need to hear. You know what we want to hear today. But Lord, do your work. Perform your therapy. Speak your word of life to us today. So Lord, immerse me in your Holy Spirit. Anoint me afresh and anew so that God, today you would do through me what I cannot do of myself. And that is to minister profoundly to every person here. So God, I trust you'll do this. I know that if I ask according to your will, Lord, I have that petition, and I know this is your will. So I know, Lord, that you are going to go forth, not in response to my prayer. You've already wanted to. You've simply enlisted me to be a part of it now. And so here I am, Lord. May we worship you in the study of your word. Have your way, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I would say today, as any, please don't just believe me. Don't just assume it's true because I say so. Search the Scriptures. Let the Bible always have the final say. Let the Bible always be your authority. 
Last week, we, if those of you who remember, we dolled up Bjorn. We dolled him up for the purpose of showing what it looks like to have the clothing of the high priest. This week, we will not use him, primarily because it gets a little messy here. Take a look at it with me. Chapter 29, verse 1. This is what you shall do to them. Them is Aaron and his four sons. Interesting, because by Leviticus chapter 10, two of those sons well, will not be in functional order anymore. But nonetheless, this is what you shall do to hollow them. The word is Kadesh. The word means to set apart for a purpose. So to hollow them for ministering to me as priests. So in one way or another, the Lord would like to do the same with you. Take one young bull and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread, unleavened cakes mixed with oil, and unleavened wafers anointed with oil. You shall make them of wheat flour, which obviously means that Jenny and a few others won't be able to have them. Um, And you shall put them in one basket and bring them in the basket with the bull and the two rams. We're assuming, of course, the bull and the two rams aren't going in the basket, but that's, of course, obvious. So first, let's get our materials. Kind of like a recipe, right? How the first thing you have at the top are the, the ingredients you need. What are you going to need? One young bowl, two rams without blemish, and various unleavened cakes, unleavened oil cakes, and unleavened oil wafers made of wheat. Verse 4. And Aaron and his sons you shall bring to the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall wash them with water. Then you shall take the garments... Put the tunic on Aaron, the robe on the ephod, the ephod, the breastplate, and gird him with the intricately woven band of the ephod. And you shall put the turban on his head and put the holy crown on the turban. And you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head to anoint him and anoint him. Then you shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. You shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and put hats on them. The priesthood shall be theirs for a perpetual statute. So you shall consecrate Aaron and his sons. In verses 4 through 9, we read what Moses has to do specifically. Moses will have to do these three things before we can actually get to the sacrifices. In verse 4, notice the first of them is to wash them. Did you notice God did not tell Moses, go speak to the priests and tell the priests, go wash yourself. Notice, as weird as it is, now I don't know about you, But let's just say you have a grown brother. And God says, what I'd like you to do is give your brother a bath. Which one of you volunteers for that? That's a little weird. But even weirder yet is it's outside. It's outside because it's at the the door of the tabernacle. Now understand, it's more than likely he's wearing kind of a nappy kind of thing. Uh, Just the same. But it's important for God to keep the idea here that... Moses has to be the washer, not Aaron. He's going to wash his brother with water, which is a great thing to wash him with. Verse 5 through 6, notice then, then the second thing to do is to clothe him. So first cleanse him, and then clothe him. You shall take the garments and put them on him. Notice again, Aaron is not clothing himself. It would be weird to be 83, and have some guy, even if it is your brother, wash you, hose you down, and then put your clothes on you, kind of like a Barbie. It's a little strange, wouldn't you think? I can't imagine this was normal for a slave, and that's where they had been for 430 years. And then in verse 7, notice then to verse 9, it was Moses who had to anoint him. So if we could put it even in a funnier sense, perhaps you first, Moses is to cleanse and then to clothe, and then to cologne him would be the idea. Of course, this is that of the oil. Now, it's interesting. I want to remind you, where are we at when this is taking place? Does anyone remember? Where are we at when this is taking place? We're in Mount Sinai. We're in the middle of the wilderness. Now, think about what a wilderness. Now, when we think of a wilderness, I don't want you to just think of something barren. I want you to think of something Well, arid, really dry is kind of the idea. Something that is really hot and really sunny. And I want you to get the picture here. So come with me. Well, Vic, ici, s'il vous plaît. Merci, monsieur. Okay. Now, this is my brother Aaron. By the way, I love what his name means to start with. Does anyone know what Aaron means? Aaron means to give light. 
to, make, to, to emit light, light bearer. Kind of a cool name, don't you think? So here you go. Now, we won't play this out too well because it's weird enough as is. But let's say, so all of a sudden, Moses has got to kind of pour the water on him and kind of wash him, scrub him up a little bit. Now, as he's doing this, and then he's got to go and put the clothing on him one piece at a time. He's putting on, he's putting on the robe, the muumuu. He's putting on the decorative apron. I don't know about you, but putting a decorative apron on my brother, unless God told me, would be weird. So putting it on the breastplate with all those, remember those really cool stones, the 12, and the two black stones at the top, girding them so it's nice and snug. You with me so far? And then, here it is, in the noonday sun, and then it says you're to anoint him. Now the question is, now we anoint him with oil. The question is, how much oil does he anoint him with? Does he kind of go, you're anointed. Well, interesting, if you turn to Psalm 133, listen to this. It says in, in this, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil, the oil that drips off of Aaron's beard. Picked you because you got a little stubble. See, if you had shaved, you would have made it out of here today. I didn't pick a girl. All right. Dripping off of his beard and the oil that dripped off the hem of his garment. So exactly how much oil do you think he poured on this guy? My guess is he took a jug, a big old barrel, and went... That was actually pretty good. And he was covered in this oil. Are you with me? Which has got to look kind of weird for the nice linen mumu that, that Amina made last week and the nice blue robe and all that. This guy now is clinging to him. Are you with me on this? But this is what God said about unity in Psalm 133. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brothers to dwell together in unity. It is like the oil that not just kind of sprinkled on him, but drips off of his beard and off of the hem of his garment. Now, picture this. Where are we again? We're in the desert. We're in the wilderness. It's the hot, hot sun. And as we're there in the hot, hot sun, consider what it would be like. He's clean. When do you thought, could you anoint me and then wash me after that? Oh, no, no, no. Not this way. It's washed, clothed, and then anointed. Now understand, what part of this does Aaron do? Nothing. All he has to do, really, if you think about it, is to surrender himself to his brother. Because his brother was the one chosen... He is the, he's not going to, I mean, imagine if he was going to fight. He's like, give me your arm. No, I don't want him. Give, give me your arm. I've got to put a robe on. No, I don't want your arm. Give me your head. Oh, you can hit my head. You can hit my head. Think about how silly that would be. But think about what this would look like in the noonday sun. Because Aaron, and what does his name mean? Covered in oil in the noonday sun would start to glow, wouldn't he? He would start to glow, and there would be no doubt who the high priest was. Back there, who's the high priest? Look for the shiny guy. It's pretty simple. And God says, by the way, this is what the unity of fellowship looks like. You know what it looks like? They start to glow. That's what it looks like. You start to see people, and it looks like they glow. You ever get that? I mean, in Psalm 133, it'll also then go on to say, it is like the dew of Hermon, the highest mountain from which we'll be drawn from and then we'll actually give life and refreshment, the water that pours forth on the rest of the, the land. To this day, Hermon is one of the three tributaries to 70% of the drinking water of all of Israel. Now listen, this is how we start it. Here were the three things. Cleanse, clothe, and cologne or anoint. Your turn. What was the first one? Cleanse. Second one? Cleanse. Third one? Cleanse. Yeah, sorry. Or anoint. Yeah, anoint's much better. Although I will say that this anointing oil was not just oil. It had other perfumes in it, too, just so you know. So not only did he look good, but he smelled good, too. Now, interesting, and let me remind you again, how many of those things did Aaron do? None of them. Are you with me on that? Now, if you're quick with the Bible... The first five books of the Bible after that is Joshua and then Judges and then Ruth, right? Would you turn to the, to the Gospel of Ruth, please? 
chapter 3. One of my favorite stories in all of Scripture. And Lauren, if you'd put that on the screen, please. Let me give you the situation. All right. Here's the situation. This is who I have to use. I have you for a second, Marie. I'm going to need you in a moment, too. You kind of figured that. <laughs> Lo and behold, there was this foreign girl. I'm not stressing the foreign part. There was this foreign gal. Now, understand, here's the way it started. Once upon a time in a town called Bethlehem. Could you say Bethlehem? Does anyone know what Bethlehem means? Bet means house. So if you see a girl named Beth, her name means house. Lechem means bread. So the name means house of bread. Well, there was a famine. And the way that God said it was kind of funny. He said there was no bread in Bethlehem. In other words, there was no bread in the house of bread. Did you get it? So this gal leaves with her husband and her two sons. And they go to a far country called Moab, which means like their father. And off she heads to Moab. And as she does, the most horrible thing happens. She loses her husband. He dies. And then her two sons, Malon and Chilion. Interesting. You probably wouldn't know what those words mean. Did you use those lately? Here's the best part. Malon and Chilion, her two brothers, or sons, their names literally mean sick and tired. I kid you not. <laughs> and they die, which you should have saw coming with names like that, right? But they don't die before getting married. So they both get married. The, one of them actually marries a girl named Orpa, which means fawn, like a deer. And the other one marries a girl named Ruth. Ruth, by the way, means friend. They've gone, listen, far east together. Just thought you might want to know that. So they've gone far east, because that's where Moab is compared to Bethlehem. They've gone east. And, they've, and what happens is this gal, the mom, ironically named Naomi, um, means, which means pleasant, says, you know what, you girls should go and find yourself some husbands. You're still good looking, you're still young, go get yourself some husbands. And actually, Fawn says, no, 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 I'll stay with you. She goes, no, no, really, you should go. She goes, okay, and off she goes. Well, Ruth, on the other hand, does this most beautiful statement, and she says, you know what, no, I've committed to you, you're single too, let's work this thing out together. Where you go, I'll go, where you stay, I'll stay, your God will be my God. That's just the way it's going to be. She's like, well, there's no way I'm going to convince you out of it. Well, we're going back to Bethlehem because I just heard a rumor that there is bread back at the house of bread. So they head back, but they head back changed. Well, first of all, she left with three guys and she came back with one daughter-in-law. She left pleasant Naomi, but now she wants to call herself Mara. Mara, like Maria, Mario, by the way, and Mary, all mean bitter. And she goes, don't call me pleasant, call me bitter. So imagine all these gals. It's like everyone knew this gal in Bethlehem, and they were all excited, so excited. We're going to see Pleasant. We're going to see Pleasant. And she comes back. Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> They're like, Pleasant. And the people are going, I thought you said she was Pleasant. She used to be. Right? And so she gets back there, and now look at What in the world is she going to do? She's an older gal. And Naomi, what an amazing girl, says, Mom, I heard the story that in your country, you could actually, that those who, who have a field that the corners of the field, they're not allowed to harvest, and they're only allowed to go through once. So let me just go out to one of those places as a poor person. Now notice, God never said, I'm just going to give you a handout. He said, look it, I'll give you one opportunity. I'll give you a hand up. Corners are yours. You have to go and get it, though. The field is once, then you have to go and get it. Now, are you with me so far? So lo and behold, she goes out there, and she starts working. And according to the book of Ruth, the gospel of Ruth, what we read is she's working hard. So you're working hard. Now, what do you think you're doing? Yeah, you're, you're, you're gathering stuff. I'm not like, what do you think you're doing? But <laughs> yeah, she's gathering stuff. She's, she's kind of following behind the people who are gleaning. She's going in the corners of the field. She's plucking stuff, putting it in her apron and kind of holding it. Now, while all of this happens, lo and behold, there is a guy who happens to be the grandson of Rahab the harlot, by the way. Um, not that that matters for the moment. And he comes over here, and let's just use Peter, because he just seems like a great guy for this. Um, 
So you just you didn't think this was participation time, did you? Okay, come on this way. So he's coming back and he kind of walks in and they're just kind of talking about things. This is his service, so he's kind of like, how's you know, how's business? Okay, we're kind of working things out. And all of a sudden he kind of walks. He's like, whoa, 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 who that? Yeah, and that's what he's asking, right? Yeah, and the servant goes, I don't know. She's kind of this foreigner girl. She's this kind of foreigner girl, but she's been working all day. She rested a little bit at noon, and then back she went into things. Now listen to that. What condition, just think about this, what condition do you think she's in at this moment? She's kind of sweaty, kind of tired. What else? Come on, work with me. What else? Yeah, kind of dirty. You're sweaty, you're dirty. You you didn't think, wow, I should have never come to church. Right, okay. Right, and she's a foreigner. That's kind of like strike six. Okay, you get that, aren't you with me in that? It doesn't matter. And the guy says, well, you know, we're going to have a meal. Have her sit at my table. Now, what do, you think the, what do you think the servant's thinking at this moment? He's thinking, oh, right? So go and ask her to sit at the table. Go ahead, go sit there, right? Um. <laughs> okay, now, he's sitting at the table. She comes. Now, by the way, this is a no-no. He doesn't even sit with most of his servants normally. At least I should say culturally, you don't even sit with your servants. He appears to have a different relationship than most of the guys are because it appears as if he's sitting with some of his servants, which tells you this guy's humble. Do you get that? But to invite a foreign, a sweaty, dirty foreigner girl, sorry, um, at the table, and he's like giving her the best. He goes, I give her the best of the stuff. He's like, hey, we're having, okay, we're, we're kind of giving, you know, mac and cheese to everyone else. We have lobster troubadour over here. Why don't you have some of that with us? That's kind of the idea. And then back she goes to work again. And now he says, now listen to this. He tells her, he goes, now listen, have the guys that are in front of her, you know, and what they do, no, this is the way they would to take care of the wheat or the barley. They'd wrap their arms like this, they'd cut across it, and then they'd tie it up and that was called a sheave. That was a bundle, right? And then you'd throw it into a wagon. You'd take the next batch. You'd cut it, bind it up, put it in the thing. And this is what he says. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to have the guys play sloppy. I want you to have them cut them into sheaves. And then, oops, it fell off the cart. And then the next one, oops, look at that. So that, listen, listen, listen. So that she will just stumble upon them. Now, you kind of get the idea. Now, this guy knows what's going on, right? So he's got to tell the guys. Now, how do you explain this? Uh, guys, today is sloppy work day, right? Cut, leave, whatever. Don't worry about it today. Every, now everyone's got to be like, what in the world is this, right? But this romantic, it's all that matters, right? Now, listen, listen, listen. This guy gets to play the role of the Lord, I don't know how many times you realize in life every day, and I'm convinced every, every day, the Lord's got this. He's got these things, and he's telling angels, for what it's worth, leave a sheave or two or three. So you go, what's the, oh my goodness, this already even bundled up. That's really weird. I mean, by the third or fourth one of those, wouldn't she start thinking, what kind of operation did I step into here? This is a pretty lousy out, but good for me. How many times have you gone, wow, I don't know, I found a 20 on the ground. And I looked around, and there wasn't even one to check and see if they, like, well, yes, did you lose a 20? What would you think they'd say, right? It's like, oh, you know, one of those moments where it's like, oh, you find it in your pocket even. You ever do that, or is it just me? And I'm like, whoa, I didn't have it. Where did this come from? And I'm thinking, or whatever it is, it doesn't have to be money. But where the Lord's constantly leaving these little sheep. Now, understand, the reason he's doing it is the same reason Boaz is. Because he loves you and he just wants you to discover that. And you trade that in for anything. And you're in trouble. Are you with me so far? Okay, you guys, go ahead and be seated for a second. She's the, you're not done then. She's going to go home. Now, I'm abbreviating this story a little bit. It's such a beautiful story. It's only four chapters. Do yourself a favor tonight. You can understand why I call it the gospel of Ruth when you get it. She comes back with the mother load. So she's carrying, oh, oh, oh. Oh, right, and here she comes. Right, she comes, and her mother goes, "Oi, they! Where did you get all of this?" And she's like, "I don't know. I was in the field of some guy. What was his name? I don't know, Bozo, Bobo, Booby. I don't know something." She goes, "Is his name Boaz?" Which, by the way, means strong or to make strong. 
she goes, yeah, that's it. How did you know? She goes, would you believe he's a relative of mine? And according to the law, he could marry you and pay off all our debts. We'll never have to worry for the rest of our life. Are you with me? Okay, be seated. Now, up to this point, isn't it just a beautiful story? Here's the most amazing part. The Jewish mother-in-law has some advice to give Ruth. By the way, do you know this is why we named our daughter Ruth? A couple goes east, finds a beautiful girl, brings her back and introduces her to her redeemer. I thought, sounds right for me, and her name means friend. Okay, now, (coughs) with that in mind, listen to this advice. Listen to this advice from our Jewish mother-in-law. Then Naomi, her mother-in-law, notice God didn't call her Mara, said to her, My daughter, shall I not seek security for you, that it may be well with you? Boaz, whose young woman you are here with, is he not a relative? In fact, he is winnowing barley tonight at the threshing floor, which means it's the early harvest. Next verses. Therefore, wash yourself, anoint yourself, and put on your best garment, and go down to the threshing floor. But do not make yourself known to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. Then it shall be when he lies down that you shall notice the place where he lies and you shall go uncover his feet, lie down, and when he tells you what you should do. She said, all that you said, I'll do. Now look at this is what she said in simplest sense. She says, you wash yourself. Did you notice that? You anoint yourself. A little bit of midnight in the harvest. And then... You clothe yourself. Put on your nicest evening gown from Moab. Did you see the difference? And then go throw yourself at his feet. Here's the crazy part. When Boaz saw her, he clearly wanted her. What condition was she in when he saw her? She was dirty. She was a foreigner. She was sweaty. And mom says, you better close the deal, clean yourself up, clothe yourself, anoint yourself. Has anyone ever told you that in regards to God? You really want to sweeten the deal, close the deal, clean yourself up, then come to God. You can't. God's a good fisherman. He catches his fish, then he cleans them. Do you get it? You trying to clean yourself up is like a dead guy rinsing himself. You're going to stink in 10 minutes again, whether you like it or not, because you all dead. And if you really just want to stop me, poor cologne and a dead guy, sooner or later the cologne isn't going to win. Now, here's the difference between what Moses did and what this gal has done. And this is the difference between God's way and man's way. Man's way is you clean up, you clothe, you anoint, you do all of that. Prove it. Do lots of good works. Show how good you are. And I've heard it said it's kind of like actually God wanting to be intimate with you and you actually bringing a bunch of other children in that you obviously made with someone else and went, check out what I did without you. Bless me for it. God's like, that doesn't bless me. The fruit of being with Jesus is what God is looking for. But that requires us to be with Jesus. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, if Juan wants more children, he's going to have to go to Ati to get them. It isn't like he shops somewhere else for that. And if Ati came back and said, I went and found some more children than I had with someone else, I don't think it's going to bless Juan. Why would we think that it would bless God for us to do good works without him? And go, check out the babies I just had. And God's like, "Mm, I'm not real happy about this. In the end of it all, God loves you when you're trespasses in, dead in your trespasses and sin, when you're filthy in your own guilt, just like me. When you're a foreigner, and He wanted you anyways. But she did give one good part of advice. Throw yourself at His feet. And by the way, in the dark, He's going to ask, who are you? She says, I'm... Ruth. And that was all he needed. He didn't go, well, let me take a good look at you now that you're clean. What you wearing? You smell good. We don't read any of that in the text. All he asks is, who are you? She says, I'm Ruth. She goes, and she's in essence says, I'm yours. And he said, yeah, that's all I wanted. Can I just say the same as with the Lord? 
All he's asking for is you to say, here I am, I'm yours. Now, back in our text, interestingly enough, again, let me remind you, Moses is doing all this. And as awkward as it must be for Moses, we get it a little bit, don't we? Washed. In Revelation 1.5, it says, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, Him who loved us, listen, and washed us from our sins in His own blood. Jesus does the washing. Clothed? Galatians 3.27 says, As many of you as were baptized in Christ have put on Christ. Anointed? 2 Corinthians one twenty one says, Now He who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. Jesus has done the washing. Jesus has done the clothing. And He's even done the anointing. He will actually tell us, I give you my Spirit. In John 14 through 16. Which, by the way, according to John 3.34, he does not give by measure. So you shall do for all the sons with him. Have you accepted the gift of Jesus Christ? Or are you still busy trying to wash yourself? Notice, by the way, he doesn't say, let's just bring you dirty. If you've come to Christ, he's going to want to clean you. You've been cleansed by His blood from your guilt. He's going to want to clean you from your filthy practices too. If you've been now clothed with Christ, we're to put on the new man, Ephesians 4.24, and be a new person. And if God wants to anoint us, He does so so that we could serve Him in, in His power. Are you with me so far? Now I could stop there, but I'm too selfish I'm too greedy to stop there. I want to move on and show you what's going to have to happen next. Remember, we still have a bull, two rams, and a whole bunch of bread in a basket. That's going to need to be sacrificed as well. Now, up to this point, a priest must be prepped. And can I say, according to John 10, every time you are opening his word, he's washing you. According to Ephesians 5, Every time you're in His Word, He's washing you. Right now, welcome to the public bathhouse. A little weird, I agree. And welcome to your new clothing. And welcome to the new power, the power of God. Verse 10. Let's get into our our, our offerings now. We're going to see the bull in 10 through 14, the ram in 15 through 18. 19 through 35 will be the Ram 2, which tells us that Ram 2 gets the most press. There'll be a sin, a burnt, a wave, a burnt, a wave, and a peace offering before we're done. And verses 38 through 46, we'll take a look at that next week, and we'll, talk, we'll dedicate the time about what it looks like to have a healthy, what it looks like to have a healthy daily devotion. My prayer is by next week, we will all walk out of here clear on something that we're ready for God to just touch us daily. Now, I'll go rather quick because I just want to point out key points because we'll develop these sacrifices when we get to Leviticus. But in 10 through 14, read this with me. You shall also have the bull brought before the tabernacle of meeting, and Aaron and his sons shall put their hands on the head of the bull. Then you shall kill the bull before the Lord by the door of the tabernacle of meeting. You shall take some of the blood of the bull and put it on the horns of the altar with your finger. And pour the blood beside the base of the altar. Then you shall take some of the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys and the fat that is on them, and burn them on the altar. But the flesh of the bull, with its skin and its offal, you shall burn with fire outside the camp. It's the sin offering. The first offering is what offering? Sin. Did you get that? Pretty simple. What's the first offering? Okay, now all of you, there's more than six of you in here. What's the first offering? sin. Thank you. Now, here's the weird part about how this goes about. Now I'm going to actually need somebody that's going to be 
little bit more adventurous. Naomi, perfect. Come on this way. Okay. Now, you ready for this? Okay, come on this way, Peter. We're going to we'll use it one more time. Peter, you're going to be the priest. You're going to be Moses for the second, okay? How's that? Here's the weird part. Ready? You've got you to be um, a, a bull. <laughs> Work with me on this, okay? Just on all fours for just a second, okay? But you've you kind of got to be on four, all fours for a moment, and I'll show you why in a second, okay? See, isn't this awesome? Pray for her, right? Okay, here's the, here's the weird part, and I don't want you to miss this, okay? Now, the bull's like this. Now, get this. Traditionally, when they, what they did is they laid their hands on the bull and confessed their sins head to head. So this is the weird part. Now watch this. Now what's your job? Do you know what your job is? It's to kill the bull. Yeah, don't worry, you're not going to be. You're not going to die. Yeah, I don't think. Maybe from fear, but okay. Here's the weird part. Do you know how they normally kill the bull, or how they killed any animal? They slit its throat because it was the quickest way to kill it. Now watch this. Just watch this for a second. The bull's down. Sorry, Nay. And the guys. Okay, you're you're a little bull. You're like a bullet. Sorry. Okay. Now. They, they've got to go like this, and they're confessing their sins. Now, as they're doing this, Peter's going to kill the bull. Now, watch, watch this. Imagine what it would be like. Go ahead, Peter. Right? Shoot, right now, look at that. Now, look at Could you imagine how profound this would be? Think about it. You're confessing your sins. A knife goes under your throat, and then goes, and then blood pours out. I'm the priest at the moment. I'm Aaron. Yeah, yeah. Well, then Moses has got to be the killer here. Okay, thank you, Naomi. Now, here's the point of it. Here's the point of it. Now, now, put yourself in this position for a second. Would that be weird? Now, think about how profound that would be. You're down like this, and you're confessing your sins. At this point, you're not going to say, my sin's a little this. It's just a little drink. It's just a little cussing. It's just a little porn. It's just a little gossip. It's just a little this. You're down here like this, and you're going... This is my sin, and this is my sin, and this is my sin. And the knife comes down like this and was, and just blood gushes everywhere. You know it's all over you now, too. And you think, whoa, that's what my sin does? When we read the wages of sin is death, God doesn't say the wages of Pastor Tony's sin is death, but Peter's aren't so bad. Yours aren't so bad. The wages of any sin is death. And this is the sin offering. Isn't that kind of a weird and heavy thought? I mean, it isn't like, here, take my animal, go kill it, and I'm just, I'm just, I never liked it anyways, the thing was gross. I mean, that's not the idea here, is you took something you know personally. Now, I hate to put it this way, but think about it. What if it was your dog? And it was something you knew that personally, and there you were with your head on it, and it's looking at you, and you're putting all that character and personality into it, and then this happens, and you think, man, if this is, there's a part of you that wants to get angry, you just don't even know what to be angry at. And God says, I want you to be angry at your sin, because I want you to hate your sin as bad as I do. Because you know what it does is it kills you. I watched my mother erode from a healthy, beautiful woman to a skeleton of a woman before she decayed and died from cancer. Cary Grant, in one of the movies, it was Cary Grant, wasn't it? I think so. They were looking, they went to the Philippines to go and do a movie called Civil Air Patrol. And as they did, they went and looked all over the Philippines to try to find um, the, the prettiest gal in all of the Philippines so they could put her into this movie. Lo and behold, of all the women they found, they found this Marilyn Monroe look-alike, blonde because every Philippine, right? No, no, this blonde because her husband at the time happened to be their station in the Philippines. That was my mom. She was a fighter, but she was a pretty gal. And I watched her erode to nothing. And the only reason I'm telling you is this. Because I saw what cancer did to my mother. I hate cancer. Does that make sense? God hates sin for the same reason. If you could see yourself spiritually, it's the same thing. It eats at you, it eats at you, it eats at you till you become nothing but a shriveled mess. And God hates it. And he would really love you to hate it too. Could you imagine if my mother had been completely delivered from cancer and then said, you know, I'd really like some of that back. I kind of miss it. Wouldn't you think that's nonsense? But we're like that with our sin. And that's just the first of them. Listen, if you're going to be the priest God calls you to be, you're going to have to be able to realize your sin came at a price. 
And that price was the blood of Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son. He took it that seriously. And there's a part of me that wishes for a moment I could go head to head with Jesus and just stand there for a second and go, have you really did this for me? Because I don't think we really, really grab how tight that situation is and the price that was paid. I think if we did, we'd all just get nauseous and just we'd be traumatized. Which, can I just say, I think we need to be a little bit. Because if we clean that up and make it just nothing, I don't think it means anything anymore. Well, that's our first of them. So what's the first offering? By the way, did you notice that it was ultimately destroyed outside the camp? Did you notice that in verse 14? Because of that, God makes clear, because of that, Jesus had to be crucified outside of the city. Because our sin sacrifice was crucified outside of the city as well. Second one, verses 15 through 18. So you should also take one ram... Aaron and his sons put their hands on the head of the ram. Sound familiar? Kill the ram. By this point, you're thinking, oh, are you serious? And you shall take its blood and sprinkle it all around the altar, cut it into pieces, watch its entrails and its legs, put all the pieces with its head, burn the whole thing, the whole ram on the altar. It's a burnt offering to the Lord. What's the second one? Burnt offering. The sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. Now, interesting. Here's the, here's the ironic part. Now, think about it. You're gonna, this animal's going to be killed. It's going to be diced into these certain pieces. And then you have to organize these pieces, but every part of it's going to get burned. It's a little strange to you. Don't you think you just lop the whole thing up there? No, because what God wants is for you to take a careful inventory of every part, but it's completely and absolutely completely consumed. Are you with me on that? Now, don't miss that, because a burnt sacrifice is a very profound sacrifice, because the burnt sacrifice is one of complete surrender. You get it? Now, understand that there was a day when Jesus completely surrendered up his, even his own ghost. He surrendered even up his spirit, so that the Father said, unto you I commit my spirit. And at that day, my salvation was purchased. Completely everything was given up. And that's exactly what Jesus said when he said that that man who saw the jewel in the field gave up everything to purchase the field. It's interesting. Here I am again with the blood before me and on me. And then every part's organized and then it's completely consumed. And again, there's that complete surrender. And I look and I went, wait a minute, what was the first sacrifice? Sin. The second one shows my salvation. Interesting. Sin and then salvation. Isn't that an interesting thing? Well, now we've gotten two of those three animals. Remember, how, what were the animals in the beginning? Do you remember what they were? There was one bull and two rams. Excellent. One bull was what sacrifice? Sin. The, the first ram was what sacrifice? Burnt. Right. Are you with me so far? Okay, now notice. Verse 19. You shall take the other ram. Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram. Then you shall kill the rams. Does that sound familiar? Take some of the blood. Put it on the tip of the right ear of Aaron on the tip of the right ear of his sons, on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe of the right foot. Now, if you thought it was weird to wash your brother, this gets really out of the box, doesn't it? Sprinkle the blood around the altar. You shall take some of the blood that is on the altar, some of the anointing oil, sprinkle it on Aaron and on his garments, and on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. He and his garments shall be hollowed, set apart for the service, and his sons and his sons' garments with them. You shall take... See if you can tell what word kind of sticks out in verse 22. She'll take the fat of the ram, the fat tail, the fat that covers the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys, and the fat on them, and the right thigh, for it's in the, it is a ram of consecration. One loaf, bread, one cake made with oil. Now we take out the bread. One wafer, one wafer from the basket of the unleavened bread. That's before the Lord. You should put all of these in the hands of Aaron and on the hands of his sons. You shall wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. Are you with me on this? Okay, our third one, notice in verse 24, is called a wave offering. What was the first one? Good. Now, what was the first one? What was the second? Burnt. What was the third? Wave. Okay, notice there was the ram of what? Consecration, which, by the way, also was the word for sanctification, setting apart. That's what consecrating means. So I went sin, salvation, and sanctification. Don't you find that interesting? Now, follow me on this, because it gets kind of funny here. 
Okay, so this part I don't think we've ever seen before. Well, I'm pretty confident that was the case. So let me just use someone else. Come on up here for a second, all right? So here's the idea. You get to be Aaron for a second, all right? So here's Aaron. He's put his head down. We, we won't make name you do that, but you put your head down, and then they cut the animal, and up we go. We've kind of gotten where to, okay. And what are we removing? Do you remember? We're removing the fat, and then we're removing fat, and then we're removing more fat, and then we're removing the fatty lobe, whatever that is, fatty lobe. Are you with me on this? And some kidneys as well. And the right thigh. Okay, right? And some bread. And what, what does Moses need to do with all of this? Notice what it says in the text. Put it in the hands of Aaron. Here you go, bro. Here's some fat. Here's some more fat. But First, before we did that, what did we have to do? We took the blood and we put it on the, his right lobe. We put it on his right thumb. And we put it, that's right, yeah. And then his right big toe. Why is that? Because this is the ram of consecration. Listen, listen, listen. If you're going to be a priest and you're supposed to be, God wants to consecrate everything you hear. God wants to consecrate everything you do. And God wants to consecrate everywhere you go. Do you get it? Just look at I want everything you hear to be set apart now. I want everything you do to be set apart. I want everywhere you go to be set apart. You get it? Now that that's the case, now that we've worked that out, no, here you go. Fat, fat. You're so kind. Look at that. Fat. Oh, and here's a thigh, right? And some bread, which maybe might soak up a little of the fat. Okay. And then what is he to do with it? What's he going to do with it? He's going to wave the fat. Which one of you thinks, that's awesome? No, so you're coming near, everything else is on fire, and you're going to go like this. That's really what you're going to do. That's it. Yeah. Whoa, because it's a wave. You go first. Whoa. <laughs> Have a seat. Thank you. Okay, now follow me on this. You're waving the fat? The excess? Yes, you are. And here's the beauty. What he's doing is he's beginning to worship. Now look at sin's been dealt with. From sin's been dealt with, then we deal with the surrender. All right, God, I just want to give you everything because you gave everything to me. I want to give you everything. And God says, now let's start to worship. And you know what you're going to do? I'm going to take the fat. Well, what's that? Well, I start to realize in my surrender that God's given me way more than I'll ever be able to use. I just, God, I just want you to know it's all yours. I just want to thank you. I just want to thank you. And I will never give God of my necessity because I have way too much fat. I'll just be honest. And we start to do that. Are you with me on this? And this is the life of a priest. But notice, by the way, Moses' role. Moses' role was he inventoried and showed you the parts and then it got burnt. By the way, can I say God's going to do that too? So you go, hey, what about this area of your life? Can I have this too? I've been taking inventory. Hey, I've taken inventory and I found this fat. Can you wave it before me? Can you make it mine? And you say, Lord, this is yours. Lord, this is yours. Now, understand, there's a difference between a wave and just a raising your hands. Because if it's a raising your hands, you do it once, right? So you go, all right, Lord, this is yours. But if you're anything like me, I got a wave. And the reason is, I go, Lord, this is yours. Ooh, I like this. Oh, this is yours. Mm, this is pretty. This is yours. Oh, I could probably get 20 pounds. For this is yours. It's a wave. Because it's, it's interesting. It's like a tug of war, but I have both ends of the rope. Does that make any sense? And that's just our third. We're on our way, though. Follow me this. Follow me this. Sounds like I'm hanging out with Juan. All right. Now, look at verse 25. Okay, what's the first wave? Sin. Actually, you don't speak like that. You speak better English than I think. All right. First is sin. What's the second one? Burnt. What's the third one? Okay. Same again, every one of you. What's the first? Come on now. Do it with some gusto. Come on. I'm giving you something. Give me some. Give me some love back. Here we go. What's the first one? Thank you. What's the second? Yes. What's the third? Good. Twenty-five. You shall receive back from their hands the burnt offering and burn them on the altar as a burnt offering. Wait a minute. What is he receiving back? Fat. He's getting the fat back. Did you get it? And the thigh. He's getting it back. And the, and the bread. And the fat. And he's also getting the fat. He's also getting 
fat. Yes. And he's also getting fat. He's getting it all. So he takes it back. So, so get this. And it says, God says, this is a sweet aroma. Okay, so one more time. Come on back over here. Come on one more time. Because you're almost done, right? Okay, so, so what happened is the ear, there's the thumb, there's the toe, right? Because we've kind of done that. And then it's like, hey, now, here's some fat, here's some fat, here's some fat, here's some bread, here's the thigh. All right, now, go for it. All right, whoa, whoa, whoa. Now, we don't read anywhere that Aaron has read this book, so he doesn't know what's going on. Could you imagine? He's like, my brother's lost it. And he's like, okay, I'll take that back. Thank you. Thanks for the fat. Thank you. Oh, lovely. All right. And then he's going to chuck all of this on it. And what happens? The whole thing's going to get burnt. Thank you. Um, if it's all going to get burnt, what do we know about a burnt sacrifice? It is surrender. Now, listen. Listen, saints. Because your praise is supposed to be there. If your praise isn't there, it's not the praise God's looking for. Somewhere in the praise, I'm doing this. Oh. Wow. But sooner or later, when do I know I'm doing this right? When my hands stay here and God says, I'll take that. And I'm going to say it's surrender time. And that's where real praise is supposed to end up. It's not supposed to end up with us barking and yelling and slapping each other or looking to see who levitates. It's supposed to be. Sorry. Um, You could do that elsewhere, just not in this. The point is, is that what it should end up with in the end of it all is an I surrender all type of heart. We're like, you know what, God, I'm yours. Do you get it? Here's the most amazing thing. I'm going to call this rejoicing, and then I'm going to call this relinquishing. Do you get it? Now, by the way, this is the life. Remember Jesus, I'm the resurrection and the life. Welcome to your life, beloved. It is a life of being free from sin, having Christ conquered. It's a life of surrender and being saved. It is a life of of rejoicing and relinquishing. And here's the most amazing thing. You ready? Look at what happens next. Okay, this is what it says. And we're almost done, which I'm sad about, but just the same. It says then, verse 26, then you shall take the breast. Who's the you there? Who's God talking to? Moses. Excellent. You shall take the breast of the ram, Aaron's consecration, and wave it as a wave offering before the Lord. That's your portion. Don't miss this. So here's the deal. No, wait a minute. A wave offering. We already saw a wave offering. That was what Aaron did, right? And that was rejoicing. So get this. He went and he waved. And he goes, that, God says, that's rejoicing. And he goes, I'll take that. Now that's going to be total relinquished. And then God says, can I join you? Because notice Moses plays that role. And then he goes, this isn't Aaron doing the wave offering. This is Moses doing the wave offering. Now, did you get that? Now Listen. You'd be like, God, I just want to tell you I love you. I want to rejoice in you. And God says, that's what I'm looking for. And then he goes, and then he's like, but if you could hear me right now, boy, you would hear I'm rejoicing. When's the last time you heard your Savior rejoice? You know, we're told, bless the Lord. Do you have any idea what that means? Do you know we're the only ones on the earth that have a blessable God? I mean, bless means, in my vernacular, you can stoke them out. God's like, yeah! Ooh, 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 ooh. That's my God. I'm just going, God, I'm just yours. Have this. And he goes, I just want to rejoice with you. Oh, man. Read Zephaniah 3.17 for yourself and decide what kind of God you have. So he takes it. So that's one of those Mexican ways. It's like we started and God picks it up, right? Now, follow this with me now. Verse 27. Now, oh, wait a minute. Let's see if we can do it. What's the first sacrifice? Faith. Excellent. What's the second? Burnt. burnt. What's the third? Faith. Excellent. What's the fourth? Faith. It was burnt again, remember? It was when one waved to burnt. So listen, I'm going to make it easy on you. Sin, burnt, wave, burnt, wave. Okay, so sin, burnt, wave, burnt, wave. Let's try this again. What's the first? It's the second one. Third. Fourth. Fifth, now see if you all can do it, because that was good for some of you. Ready? You're thinking, I need to go to a more liturgical church. Well, this is my one shot with you. First one. Second. Third. Fourth. Fifth. Nice. You're down to the last one. 27. In the ram of consecration, you shall consecrate the breast of the wave offering, which is wave. Remember, that was what Moses was waving. 
And the thigh and the heave offering which is raised, and that is for Aaron and which is for his sons, it shall come to the children of Israel, and for his sons is a statue forever. It's a heave offering, but listen, it also has another name. It's a heave offering. It shall be a heave offering for the children of Israel for the sacrifices of their peace offerings. That is, their heave offerings to the Lord. What's another name according to this for a heave offering? Peace. Sin, burnt, wave, burnt, wave, peace. Your turn. Sin. Well, let's try that again. Yes, that's the idea. Now, okay, now listen, the peace offering was, is my favorite, and I'll tell you why. A peace offering is different from all the others in this. A peace offering took two people who were once arguing with each other. They were having a rough time. Lo and behold, Bjorn and Jay walking down the street, and Bjorn and Jay are walking by a Nepalese restaurant, and Jay says, we should go there. And Bjorn, completely unaware of Jay's heritage, says, I hate all things Nepalese. I just, I just I hate them. And, and Jay goes, what? And, and, and with that, he's like, Poof. and they're just, they're, they're just having a really rough day. And they, Jay won't talk to him. They're angry at each other. He's starting IHateBjorn.com. You know, it's a pretty rough thing, which Bjorn's online, so that's a little rough. You know, so Bjorn gets it. And then ultimately... What we find out is that Bjorn really never, he, he, was, he never even meant that, and it wasn't even what he meant to say. He thought Nepal was actually something else. And in the end of it all, he realized, oh, that's not it. I just hate all things Finnish. And, and with that, okay, well, we'll work, on, we'll work on Annie later, but she's leaving. But anyway, um, that's not why, though. All right, and then ultimately they're reconciled. That's the point of it. And as they're reconciled, the two of them come to the tabernacle, and they make this peace offering. And what this says is we were once enemies or arguing with each other. And now we have peace with each other. Here's the greatest part. This is why I like it the most. They offer these parts like the breast of this animal, which is the ribs. Mm. And they have a barbecue and they invite everyone else who could be involved. That means the whole neighborhood. It becomes a family barbecue. A peace offering is so that all of the people involved could be a part of it to celebrate. Because being reunified, remember Psalm 133, is supposed to be so wonderful that everybody should rejoice in it, not just the two people. Do you get it? And listen, God ended with this. It went from sin to the surrender of salvation and that to the sanctification of a ram of sacrifice. Remember that? where it was the wave, and then it was the burnt, and then it was Moses does the wave as well. And then after that, it was the peace offering. And listen to this. As they do that, he says, now go and feed all of the priests. Because that's how this thing ends, this part of it. I want all of you to be able to enjoy this. Listen, this is your life as a priest. A priest's life, so much better than a thug's life. A priest's life is... A life where we start with God dealing with our sin and then we see his surrender and want to reply in like manner and surrender and we see that salvation that ensues. And then from that, we say, all right, all right, God, that's the case. I want to now rejoice in you. Let me, let me see how you set me apart. And he starts covering. I want your ear and your, everything you hear and everything you do and everything you, everywhere you go to be set apart unto me. Everything. It doesn't matter where you work. I still want it to be mine. It doesn't matter where you go to school. I still want it to be mine. It doesn't matter where you plan on intending, wherever, wherever you're going to go, you're still mine. And I wanted you to recognize I'm going with you whether you like it or not. And then with that, all right, rejoice in me. God says, all right, now I want you to relinquish. And I'm like, yes, God. And he says, good, because I want to rejoice with you. And then here, let's take this and let's just bless everyone else around us, which is service. And I just went, wow, I went from sin to salvation to God sanctifying, even seeing God sovereign in my relinquishing and then service. And I went, that's exactly the way the book of Romans goes. That's the way the first five books of the, of the Torah go. Genesis is about sin, the fall of Adam. Exodus is salvation as we see them removed out of Egypt. Leviticus is God being holy. That's God being setting us apart in sacrifice. Numbers, God starts to kill a generation so the new would come. That's God being sovereign. 
Deuteronomy, now when you get in the land, be ready because I'm going to use you. That's service. And I realize God's been planning that the whole time. Last few verses, and we'll close this up. Because I want to get back to praising. How about you? Yeah, good. That was very whelming. All right. (laughs) The holy garments of Aaron shall be his sons after him, anointed in them, and they shall be consecrated to him. The son who becomes priest in his place shall put them on for seven days, and he enters the tabernacle of meeting to minister in the holy place. And you shall take the ram of the consecration, boil its flesh in the place, and Aaron and his sons shall eat the flesh of the ram and the bread that is in the basket by the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and shall eat those things with which the atonement was made to consecrate and to sanctify them. But the outsider, well, he's not going to eat it because it's only those of the family. And if any of the flesh of the consecration offering of the bread remains until morning, then you shall burn it in the remainder of fire. It shall not be eaten because it's holy. Thus you shall do to Aaron and his sons according to all that I've commanded you seven days to consecrate them. So eat it at the door, eat it among the priests, and eat only today's offering because tomorrow we have another one to do. This is to be done daily. You shall offer the bull every day as a sin offering for sin. You shall cleanse the altar when you make the atonement for it, and you shall anoint it to sanctify it. Seven days you shall make atonement for the altar to sanctify it, and the altar shall be most holy. Whatever touches it must be holy, and that's what we'll get next week. Now, as we go to prayer, my heart for you is to pick up the life Christ has given you. But it started with Him resurrecting you. The old person cannot be the priest God called because God does not hire or enlist dead priests. And before you give your life to Christ or your death to Christ, you're dead in your trespasses and sin. But God in His infinite and perfect love for you sent Jesus to die on the cross to pay the price for your sin. Resurrecting from the dead so that you no longer have to, to take the price of that. And just like Aaron and just like every person that will confess their sin and see it on an animal and see the blood drip and I think, oh God, this is you. I want you to realize God so loved you, He volunteered for that spot because He knew that that's what it would be. And as we read, we've been cleansed by the blood of Christ. Have you accepted the gift of Jesus Christ? If so, have you accepted your position as priest? A position of letting God wash you free from your sin, that should be a no-brainer. A position of God showing you in His surrender the need for ours, are you willing to take that? And so God causing us to rejoice, and in causing us to rejoice then, God rejoicing with us as He sees us relinquish part by part, as He says, what about this? What about this? And then with that saying, God saying to you, now that that's the case, I want you to take it and share it with others. Because that's the call on your life, beloved. But there's nothing like it. Will you pray with me? God, I just want to thank you so much for what you've shown us in this beautiful text. And I pray, Lord, even right now as we get back to praising you, Lord, that our rejoicing would include relinquishing. Lord, that there would never be a time when our praise is just simply selfish praise or it's ever selfish praise. Lord, but rather that it would always lead us to surrender where it would say, God, if there's a part of me that, I, that, I, that perhaps I'm aware of, Lord, take it. And if there's a part I'm not, take it too. Just show me if you want, Lord. But I want to hate my sin as much as you do. I want to relinquish the cancer of my soul to You. And in that, God, I just pray right now that You would show us, Lord, that You loved me when I was the filthy, tired, sweaty foreigner. But You wanted me anyways. And so, God, I pray today for myself and every person here that there would be a heart of a priest that You would be instilling in us. But Lord, right now, first, that there be anyone in this room who maybe is sure they haven't or isn't sure they have accepted the gift of Jesus Christ. His payment for their sins on the cross and His resurrection. Right now there's a choice to be made. Are you going to be willing to let Jesus pay the price? To lay your hands on Him and say, Jesus, I confess my sins upon you. And I say, please, if you're willing to pay for that, please cleanse me in your blood. And in that then, Be the Lord of my life. Be my resurrection and my life. And if that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer and I ask you to listen. 
And if you agree at the end, I ask you to say, Amen. And what you're saying is, I agree. Let that prayer be my prayer. Let that, those words be my words. So be it in my life. And here's the prayer. God, I confess to you, I am a sinner. I am wrong. I'm guilty in and of myself. I'm not perfect, and I will not claim to be. And I know that the wages of my sin is death, but you in your perfect love for me sent your only begotten Son, Jesus the Christ, to pay the penalty for my sins on the cross. And He bled and He died there so all my sins could be paid for. And as He did, my price was paid. And He was buried just like your Scripture promised and rose again on the third day just as your Scripture promised. And with that now, He demands and deserves to be the Lord of my life. So Jesus, be my ransom. Jesus, be my Savior. And Jesus, be my Lord. And I surrender myself to You. Father, adopt me now, I pray, and make me the priest You ordained for me to be as I surrender myself to You, even as Your Son surrendered Himself to Your will. I surrender to Your will now too. As much as I am able, here I am. I'm Yours. In Jesus' name. And if you agree, I ask you to say, Amen.